Christian nationalism is all the rage is what everybody is talking about. But we need to make something very clear. We do not believe in Christian nationalism. No, we believe in Christian intergalacticism. We talking about? Wow. Yeah, and we got turned out up. Everything. Wow. We got turned Where's up here in the disco studio. Ball? Yeah, right. I it's was coming. waiting for the flashing lights. <laughs> We're on a mission to make magazines great again, and apparently, like this show, intros <laughs> great again too. <laughs> so subscribe to our Fight Laugh Feast magazine. It's a quarterly mini book like experience packed full of a variety of authors that includes theologically driven cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter. Recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled mm. throughout the glossy pages, Delicious. and more. Sign up your church. Sign up your grumpy uncle. Yeah. Sign up Ooh. the Pope. Yeah. What? What? Him too. Yeah. Why Elon not? Musk. Yeah. Leon Musk's is what it says. Le- mm. him, him, his Elon cousin. Musk's also. That's he has multiple kids. And Russell Moore. <laughs> Ooh. Disclaimer. This magazine will guarantee various responses across politics is not held liable for any of them. Reading the whole magazine may cause theological maturation, possibly encourage your kids to take the Lord's Supper with you, and will likely cause you to randomly chuckle. Enjoy at God's Wonders World. Sign up today. Four issues for $60 per year. Go to fightlifefeast.com right now. Sign up. That's hilarious. That was very good, Toby. <laughs> I think was that your that first was read? Really good. Yeah. That was his first hey, read. He glanced at it a little bit. All right, okay. Christian nationalism <laughs> is trending. It was trending on Twitter. Rachel Maddow did a show on it. Did a nine minute take on the historical really? background of Christian nationalism. But she would know. She's, yeah. she's got Noah. a degree. I, I trust everything Rachel Maddow. Yeah. Said. Well. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> Yeah, don't even get me started. Dude, just, that thing up there. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Um, intergalactic. So you you find out that and and everybody is talking about it. And so I was like, you know what? Yeah. It's not just they're talking about it. They're also taking the bait. We talked about this on the um, after show, the backstage. Yeah. I didn't really like the term. So like, we need a better term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought Christian intergalacticism is a better term. <laughs> it's better than Christian That's, internationalism? Yeah. Even, even yeah. better than that? But okay. here, here's one thing that, that we need to remember is that when the left uses a term like Christian nationalism, what they're trying to do is they, they already have it pre-politically loaded. Right. They're trying right. to frame the debate for and you. so what we yeah. tend to do is we take the bait and we say yeah that's what we are but they already defined it right. <laughs> and so we spent all of our time working to redefine something that they've defined and we're busy spinning our wheels while they're taking over mm. and so i remembered that when we had our conference our rally last year we In had South nate Dakota. wilson who yeah. talked about mm. that christians and particularly conservatives tend to always take the bait and that we shouldn't be taking the bait We adopt the insults as our brand, and we should not. Even worse than that, we adopt adopt the insults like combat ribbons, like we just got a prize, because we hate them, and they called us something awful, so that's me. But the worst thing is we frequently adopt the behaviors. So toxic masculinity, anybody? Okay, let's behave in as toxic a way as possible. They said I'm toxically masculine, so I'm going to be toxic. Like, that's not the move. That is not the correct move. Like, you can laugh, you know, microaggressions, mansplaining. You know what? Mansplaining is obnoxious. But most of what gets called mansplaining is also obnoxious. Like, it's just a weird microaggression fight. It's stupid. Don't adopt it. 
Don't take the accusation and make it your brand. Live above it. Men are pigs. Well, I'm going to be the biggest, loudest pig there is. <laughs> That's, again, our impulse. You, you watch families adjust how behavior happens based on accusation over time. So patriarchy, patriarchy, patriarchy. Here's this caricature. Here's this caricature we've drawn for what that looks like. And instead of trying to actually study scripture and imitate God and learn our lessons there, we adopt the slander and we imitate the accusation and the caricature really, really quickly. I think right now, mm-hmm. um, particularly who's at threat for this are white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're at threat for this almost in the same way that black culture is. And I think Doug, or was, they've already taken the bait. Yeah. But and Doug wrote a great article on this called Straight from the Pit. And I just want to read a little bit of this. It says, when young white straight men are continually harangued for their whiteness and their straightness and their manness and are con- constantly told that they are a cancer to the cosmos and that the world would be a better place if they just put their heads in a bucket and stuck it down a collective uh, <laughs> hole somewhere. Well, certain things tend to follow. And what he says it tends to follow is that uh, because they're told, uh, because they don't see that it's a trap, they react in the other direction. And they're told that their whiteness is a cancer disease. They react into this. Their reaction is into this just a silly idea that whiteness is somehow a virtue, Mm -hmm. but it's not. And, And this is very important. When you look at black culture, Doug didn't say this part in the article, but I think you can see what this looks like when you look at what black culture has gone through and where they're at now. You had blackface. You had the mocking of black people. You had they weren't intelligent. Um, You had them put down constantly in society. And what they end up doing, instead of looking and saying our virtue comes from God and pointing to Christ, what they end up doing was saying our virtue comes from the things that they're mocking. My black is beautiful. Uh, Black um, girl magic. All Mm -hmm. of a sudden, all the virtue went into blackness and the virtue wasn't coming from Christ anymore. It came into the things that they were pushed against. Well, I think you can expect to see that same sort of taking the bait from white man. Now we're going to get white entertainment television. Now yeah. we're going to get white girl magic. Now we're going to get all these other things where the virtue is put inside white, of white, white boy summer. White, yeah. white boy summer. You're going to yeah. get the virtue put in the wrong place, right. right? And that's what Doug was getting at in this article. So when you take the bait, you end up becoming like the thing that they're making you, okay? Right, right. Like Christian nationalism. What they're basically saying is white supremacy, right? right <laughs> that's yeah. what they try to say yeah. with the whole thing. And so what you end up doing is walking right into that very thing because you haven't formed a normative. And so what we want to do is instead of taking the bait, we want to redefine the conversation completely. Right. And so what are we talking about when we talk about um, Christian intergalactic? I just want to hit the button. Intergalactic, uh, planetary, I think, intergalactic. You know this. It's kind of scary that you know this song. <laughs> I think what we want to do is we want to remind ourselves that unlike the other spheres that are here, which is a family and the state, uh, the church is intergalactic, right. right? And one of the clearest ways that we can see that is in the fact that when Christ rose from the dead, he said all authority in heaven and on, on earth, earth. Right? right? So the heavens are already it's, taking it's part. cosmic. It's cosmic, right? In yeah. this intergalactic reality, Man. right? And you know what? You know what a great introduction to this is? The C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for people because that, I've read that it. That hideous strength. Is yes. that really good? But, all, yeah. but the two are the lead yeah, up yeah. too. All, that hideous strength yeah. in particular. Yeah, and so, and the thing is the Christianity has already been celebrating this. When we every Christmas, we're already here. We're having this yeah. conversation every Christmas. Yeah. So the when the angel comes before the shepherds, I think it's Luke 2, right. um, 13, 14, 15, the, the angel is met with the heavenly host. And they're saying, glory to God in the highest. What is that heavenly host? That's the galaxy joining in with the angels. Stars come down. Stars come down and start singing. I was blown away. Well, well, intergalactic, right? Christian Mm -hmm. intergalacticism is already happening. 
When you go and you look at um, Matthew chapter two, yeah, and you see the 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 what's le- the shepherds that are led to or the, the wise men that are led yeah. to Christ, right? The star, the mm-hmm. star comes yeah. down. I never saw this before, and stands next to Jesus. Right, is it's right here. Right, and so when we look at Christian nationalism, it's not a big enough world, a universe, or concept for what Christianity really is. Right. Christianity is intergalactic. <laughs> It's intergalactic in every single way. And so if we take their reality and their definitions, it leaves us short of what the beauty of the gospel actually is Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And all we're going to end up doing is spinning our wheels, trying to redefine something that they've already loaded with terms. Mm -hmm. And we need to reject that all the way through. And this is the, 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 the fleshly response of the white boy summer thing, the Black Lives Matters, the... Opposite fleshly yeah, response. It's virtue of, and uh, blackness. You know, it's yeah. the same thing, right. just different different uh, sides of the ditch. Um, and and one of the things that we need to learn is that when you're attacked like this for your your whiteness, your who you are, your you know culture, whatever, our response shouldn't be carnal. That's that's a carnal response to want to kind of tribe around everyone who's being maligned with me. Yeah, we'll form a tribe. It's easy to form a tribe there. And instead, our, our primary allegiances are always with God. And and then his church, and then secondarily, the legions has kind of dropped down from there. I mean, there's nothing wrong with me being loyal to my family. Yeah, but my primary allegiance is with Jesus and his church, with the body of Christ. Yeah, you know, because even Jesus told us that, hey, we need to hate brother, sister, father, mother, in order to follow him. In order to follow him, right? And so, and and, and then you kind of go down from your allegiances from there. You know, I I'm I'm allegiance. I have allegiance. I have loyalty to Idaho, Texas. You know, um, yeah, but that, and that's you know, there's my, my people, the secondary people, yeah, you know, absolutely. Kind of right, but that's yeah. not where your virtue is coming from, not at right? all. Yeah, patriotism I, is a Christ, Christian virtue, sure, right? and and love of nation is a is a Christian virtue. Love of family, love of your people, that's a Christian virtue. But it's it needs to be placed, yeah, biblically, the in, in the order that God says to put it in. Well, and remember what we're talking about when we're talking about Christian nationalism, which really we're not talking about that. We're talking about Christian intergalacticism. Right. We're talking about the role of the church in the universe mm-hmm. and the authority of Christ and the church being that um, um, representative or host or discipler to the rest of the yeah, nations yeah, of right. the universe, right? One of the ways that we see this Christian intergalacticism is inside of the doxology, mm. right? Doxology? Doxology. Praise God from, right? Whom all blessings flow. Yep. I love the doxology. Yeah, praise him above. Who? The heavenly host. The heavenly host. Every Sunday when we sing that, we're talking about Christian intergalacticism. All creatures. All creatures and the heavenly host. Yeah. That is our domain, right? Mm. That is what it is. That is the Christian domain, right? Mm. The heavenly host, the universe, Christian intergalacticism. That's what it is. And when we had Rod Martin out at the conference, the first Fight Laugh Feast conference, even though Christian nationalism wasn't trending at the time, he still understood the assignment better than most people. Fill the earth and subdue it. Notice that that isn't a capital E. It is a decapitalized E because it means wherever your feet shall trod. And I'm telling you, 
God created a really big universe, and you're supposed to fill it all and subdue it. <laughs> so get to work. I want to build the first Baptist church on Mars. That's what I actually, the first church, period. It will be Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> you Presbyterians better catch up. That's all I'm saying. You know, if you ever wondered if, if, if Baptists were welcome at the Fight Laugh Feast For conference, yeah. come on, I man. know, I know. Man, we don't mind a yeah, Baptist great church job. on Mars. Yeah. See, he understood the assignment, Christian yeah. intergalacticism, yeah. right? He under- first church on Mars. Yeah, <laughs> if it's Baptist, it's okay. It wouldn't yeah. be the first time that we've converted yeah. Baptist right. to Presbyterian. It's fine. No, no. We've what, done it before. let them yeah. build the building. Yeah, I mean, I the problem why the Baptists will be first because Presbyterians got to have a committee to vote to be able to. Well, that's right. We're a little slower in our processes. I just want everybody know that we will have have t-shirts eventually that say christian intergalacticism on yeah. it so yeah. get ready for it's those coming. those are coming, coming. <laughs> too i'm excited about that the mission of armored republic is to honor christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve god-given rights in the armored republic there's no king but christ we're free craftsmen body armor is a tool of liberty we create tools of liberty free men must remain ever vigilant against tyranny wherever it appears god has given us the tools of liberty needed to defend the rights he bestowed to us Armored Republic is honored to offer you those tools. Visit them at AR500Armor.com. Don't they have a lawsuit right now that they filed against New York? I wonder how that's going. We should talk to David Reese about we that. Should check in with them. Those guys are fighting for freedom. Hey, we're grateful to have with us on the show right now Mr. Troy Miller. Troy Miller serves as the CEO of NRB, a senior. What is NRB? National Religious Broadcast. Oh, somebody should write NRB. that in there. A yeah. senior executive with more than 30 years of management and business experience. Troy served for six years with Coral Ridge Ministries. Three of those is the executive vice president and chief operating officer. So watch out, Gabe. James Kennedy. Focusing on strategic direction <laughs> and planning. Previously, Troy spent 10 years with Gateway, leading a number of business startups, including Gateway's expansion into Europe and Ooh. Asia, new manufacturing facilities, and global information technology application strategy. He has spoken at seminars on strategic business planning, information technology integration, and organizational development, and Christian apologetics, and has spent time teaching pastors in the Far East. Far East side. Troy, thank you very much for joining us on Cross Politic. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me today. Uh, nice introduction. I also sweep floors and wash dishes. So. <laughs> well, it just so happens we have some dishes and a few floors over here for you. So... <laughs> so uh, Troy, you got to tell us, what's your favorite show on NRB TV and why is it cross politics? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is my favorite show because uh, I like, well, I'll tell you why. Because last time uh, we got together, Gabe brought dinner, you know, so he brought breakfast. So that's, that's, that's why it's my favorite it's show. That's, that's, that's how true. he does it. Now, uh, Troy, explain. Um, I, I was halfway joke, joking when I asked Gabe what NRB stood for, but I, I do think it would be helpful for you to. Um, Tell us, tell our audience what the the National Religious Broadcast Association is, um, and and why why would somebody want to be involved with it? Why would someone um, team up with you guys? Sure, NRB, uh, the National Religious Broadcasters Association. We like to tell everybody that we're the association that protects Christian communicators today. So mm. NRB has been around for 78 years, started back in 1944. Uh, if you can imagine, in 1944, radio becomes the main medium wow. uh, to reach families, households, yeah. folks across the country. Uh, pastors go on radio. They look at this and say, hey, this is a great way to get the gospel out. They go on radio. Well, guess what happens? There's a group 
that says they shouldn't be on radio. We should decide who gets to be on radio and who doesn't. So NRB gets formed in 1944 to protect these pastors' rights to communicate in the public square. Hmm. And that's what NRB's been doing for the last 78 years. Uh, We started off with radio broadcasters and then television broadcasters. Of course, fast forward to where we're at today, communications takes a whole bunch of different mediums and avenues. So we protect communicators, whether you're podcasters, whether you're a book publisher, whether you're a filmmaker, television program producer, we're out there fighting hard so that you all can stay in the public space doing what you do, whatever it is God's called you to do. So, Troy, how did how did NRB kind of morph with technology? You know, you mentioned radio. Um, I, uh, uh, you know, how did it kind of grow with the Internet, TV, you know? It, it just grew as commissions, medias grew. So NRB grew along with it. So, you know, like I said, it started radio and print were the main mediums you know, back when it got started. But as those mediums expanded, NRB expanded with them. Um, You just had more pastors and programmers that wanted to get, first they wanted on radio, then they wanted on television. Of course, as the internet came out, that's where they wanted. And NRB said, look, uh, our real goal is Christian communicators. Wherever people want to communicate the gospel or do whatever it is Christ has called them to do, our job is to make sure and work as hard as we can that you have the rights to do that. Uh, Troy, I'm I'm just actually kind of blown away by what you just said. That it was started in 1944 in order to protect the rights of Christians to speak in the public square. Yeah, yeah. 1944. I, I, I mean, I thought that's what the First Amendment was for, and I thought this was America. I mean, I, I thought that we just had the right to speak into the public square as Christians. What are you telling me that you guys have had to fight for our right to exist? So here's something a lot of folks don't know about the first amendment. First amendment restricts the government from intervening. Okay. Right. But it doesn't restrict private enterprises. Right. So radio wasn't, this wasn't in 1944. This wasn't the government that was coming in and saying, Hey, you, you know, Christians can't be on the radio. This This was was actually a group of liberal Christians that came in because they didn't like the kind of Christianity that was on the radio. Um, So that was one side of it. The other side of it were the broadcasters themselves, you know, trying to say, hey, who can and who can't be on? And so, you know, that's always been out there. You know, the gospel has always been under attack. Yeah. Hey, Troy, who or what is the biggest challenge right now facing Christian communicators from your standpoint? I, you know, there's a, that's a, that's a tough question because there's so many challenges, you know, so we work really hard, first of all, in DC. So we are constantly watching the legislation that's coming through bills that are being proposed. We're looking through those for all these little pieces. It might slip in there that are really set there to limit the gospel message limit Christian communicators or conservatives. A lot of our folks are on the same conservative platform. So that's one area we have to watch. We have to watch government and the bills. We have to watch the regulatory folks. These are the folks that make the rules after laws go into place. So FCC, the FTC, um, a number of other agencies are out there, the EEOC in employment law. We have to watch those folks uh, uh, really hard. Hmm. And then, of course, we watch what's going through the court systems. 
Um, that's that's the three sort of two three areas of the government that we have to work on. But today we've got just like in 1944, but even more so today, the biggest players today are the corporate boardrooms. Hmm. That's where the biggest hmm. threat to Christian communicators are. I mean, you guys are know. Uh, um, uh, um, you you all know all about the cancel culture out there yeah. uh, today, and so the 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 big medium today. How do you communicate it's on the internet? Right, yep. that, that social media platforms on on uh, other social platforms like YouTube and those folks. That's where a lot of the communication goes today. But that's where those folks are most hostile to the Christian message. You know, we've been working on. I think you guys saw Google recently or Twitter recently said they're going to, you know, ban anybody using the word groomer. Well, what's the thing really behind that? Are they really worried about the word groomer? Or are they just trying to ban the whole talk about what's going on in schools today wow. with the indoctrination uh, of transgenderism in schools? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably the biggest place Christians are having problems today is how to get the message out there in mediums that people are listening to. How does NRB help with something like that particular issue? So a couple of three things. We're working very hard. Uh, we've got contacts into Google, into YouTube, and those folks, we work very hard to to sort of fight for our message and, and say, hey, that's, that's what you're doing is wrong there. The second thing we're doing is we work with a lot of folks in Congress and a lot of folks in the legal side to come back. So, you know, Congress is looking very hard about gatekeepers out there, and they don't want to be restricted. But we're working very hard with Congress on some proposed laws and legislation, and we just try to bring as much pressure on. You know, it's interesting. The big thing that the left does is they bring pressure on these corporate groups, and we're out there trying to tell these corporate groups, guess what? NRB, if you took all of NRB's members, folks like you, folks like our radio broadcaster, television folks, just our broadcasters, TV and radio folks reach 92 million households in America. 92 million households, Uh, nearly 40 million households listen to some sort of Christian media, radio, television, podcast. And so we get out there and tell these board guys, look, you're this is not a little audience you're messing with. This is a major, major audience. This is a major set of customers out there that you're really um, putting yourself up against. Could, could you help me with, I want to talk a little bit more to Christian communicators now too, because right now it seems like that uh, we have a lot more Christian communicators, but what do you think would be um, good or better to add to the market that's missing right now from Christian communication? That's missing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot missing, although I'm going to encourage more and more younger people to get into uh, the market in their mediums, you know, and use their mediums for the glory of God and for the gospel. You, you know, lots of kids are out there. You know, it's interesting. I just saw a study just a few weeks back in the Wall Street Journal talked about, you know, back when I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, and they asked kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was policeman, fireman, you know, doctor, lawyer, whatever. Yeah. They ask kids today what they want to be in in, in the uh, in, in Gen Z and stuff when you grow up. What's, what do you think the number one answer is? An influencer. An influencer. Wow. Number wow. one answer, an influencer. Wow. That's what folks want to be. They want to be an influencer. You know, and that tells you, first of all, a lot about the culture. But, you know, what we need today is we need a lot of those young kids to grow up and be influencers for the gospel, mm. to be influencers for Jesus Christ, not influencers for their own self 
recognition. So, you know, if you want to get in today, and it's so easy and effective and cost effective to get into communications today, it's yeah. not like it was 20 or 30 years ago, but get in and be a be an influencer to your generation for the gospel. So, um, Troy, you know, I've been kind of, uh, we've been functioning uh, cross politics been around since 2016 the market's already changed since we've gotten oh my into goodness. this <laughs> yeah. um, which is incredible uh you know we're on we're on your we're on nrb tv uh we're on social media and then we're on podcasts you know so we're kind of trying to use all the mediums available sure, uh, you know we do a daily now I'm just i <laughs> 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 just thought i'd throw that out this side okay, what were you saying and just drop that in there yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know how do you see especially like traditional cable tv it, to me, it seems like it, it. There's going to be this this shift to, uh, you know, smart TV, and it's still going to have a lot of the same content. But it, it, there's cable TV is harder to get on. It's more restrictive, um, and it's kind of it, it's it's its own pipeline. It's it doesn't have the freedom. Let's say that like uh, you know, internet TV might have. How do you how are you viewing that whole conversation there? You know, that's that's an interesting question because I just returned from Orlando, Florida from what was called the independent show. And this is the independent cable operator. So these are mom and pops that own small systems all mm. across the country. Yeah. There's 700 members of the what's called NCTC. Uh, this is the Association for Rural Small Cable Folks. And, and, and they're advocating on behalf of Christian communicators, Christian television programs and channels and stuff and talking to them you know cable is we, we do see a lot of change going on in the way people are consuming television programming today so you've heard or maybe your viewers have heard of cord cutting people who are stop their cable paid programming and and go and just get it from the internet so they call that over the top or or get digital broadcasting or streaming or whatever but but you got to remember, sort of everybody's been saying since about 1950s when television came in that radio was dead, and then that, satellite yeah. came in, yep. and satellite was going to kill radio and TV. Yep. Yeah. So there gets to be a point where this where where we'll see a plateau, and and users will always have a place for linear television. That's television that that we normally think of, and so people will be, be watching that. But it'll be augmented, and a lot of our folks are getting into streaming TV. So they have their over-the-air broadcast, yep. plus they have their streaming TV, yep. plus they have their over-the-top channels that are on these various systems. Now, what we're working hard on is, is to make sure those systems carry, you know, religious programming, religious broadcasters. And, and so that's something. So all these folks, and that's a big piece of work that we do as well. We help educate folks on new technologies, technology trends, where things are going, yeah. how people are consuming, you know, the under 40s consume more video on demand than they do live television. So yeah. all of that's out there and and Christians needs just need to be in all of it. One of the other big pieces of kind of our curtain our current culture war as you were talking about cancel culture and this sort of thing um you know, we've had a kind of a resurgence of a kind of conservatism uh, places like the daily wire, the blaze they're um, they're pushing hard in a number of different directions. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, how does NRB uh, compare uh, to you know places like that? Where is their overlap or how, how is NRB different? Well, NRB is different in that we don't, 
we're not like a news generating organization ourselves. So, you know, we're an advocacy group. That's the core of what we do. Mm-hmm. So advocacy is, is we're out there. But here's the interesting thing. You know, we, we recently worked very closely with Newsmax, with The Blaze, with um, Epic Times, with a number of folks. And we're glad that all these are popping up. Salem Communications, I think you guys are familiar with Salem. Yeah, sure. Salem just, they just launched the Salem News Channel in the last few months here. Uh, same thing. This is a this is a television news channel to get into more conservative news. And again, our thing is to come alongside them, help them with advice, technology, those sort of things, and then work hard to see that they can get in as many places as possible. But you're right. There is this resurgence of conservatism, particularly what I'd say Christian conservatism, because you know we see on the other side there's this. It, it it's the all the restraints have been taken off. You right. know, when I first came into into Christianity in the '80s, and then through the '90s, and when I worked for D. James Kennedy in the early 2000s, you know, there was a there was kind of a line that the left didn't cross. Right. There's no lines anymore. Right. Yeah. The, that's the right. fact that there, there's no lines. The fact that you know we're doing drag shows in elementary schools just tells you the lines. Uh, they haven't been crossed. They've just been obliterated. That's right. I think I think that's helped wake people up. The pandemic also helped wake people up. That's right. You know, we worked with the Justice Department during the pandemic to help uh, churches who were getting shut down in states to say, hold on. Right. <laughs> The free exercise and free and, and freedom of assembly here, this is the government actually overstepping their bounds. And right. the attorney general uh, bars, you know, wrote several letters to state attorney general yeah, saying, yeah. hey, yep. you crossed a line here. Yep. And so those are the kinds of things that we, we work on. Hey, Troy, can you stay around for 10 more minutes and talk backstage? I got a bunch of questions for you, man. You're gonna oh love yeah, it. absolutely! <laughs> a- anything for you guys? Uh, anything? Anything? Hey, so you heard it here live on Cross Politics. We're going backstage. We're gonna be backstage with Troy Miller. If you want to join us, sign up, become a club member. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids? If you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. Christian intergalacticism. I thought you were going to play that at the end. Home. It's where you build your legacy. Where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. The season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. All right, so just stay like this. How how am I doing here? Yeah, you you don't like this, huh? a Christian education look like when non-Christians are the ones who control the institutions of learning? This is a question that confronted Bishop Augustine of Hippo in North Africa in the 5th century AD. Augustine lived at the twilight of the Roman Empire. He himself had been trained 
with the best learning that Rome at that time had to offer. He himself actually came through the ranks and taught rhetoric in some of the best schools. And it was then, after he had come of age, that he converted to Christianity, but he wanted to continue the project of education, but this time for Christians. And so he had to confront the question, what does a Christian education look like when the unbelievers control the field? when they control the institutions, when the whole ap apparatus and curriculum of learning emerge from a pagan environment. And so Augustine wondered, what is it that Christians should jettison? What is it that Christians can embrace? What is it that Christians can adopt, but in modified form? These are the questions that Augustine confronted when he sought to educate Christians in an environment when unbelievers dominated the field. A century later, we see a man in the south of Italy named Cassiodorus who faced a very different educational landscape. He had to ask what did a Christian education look like in an environment where unbelievers had abandoned the project of education altogether. The in infrastructure of learning had entirely eroded. If education was to proceed at all, it had to proceed on the foundation of Christianity. The Christians had to be the ones preserving education. What does a Christian education look like when Christians are the ones forming the institutions, when Christians are the ones organizing the curriculum? Well, these two seasons in the history of education, the season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus, just 100 years apart, were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. We're gonna be studying this story. We're going to be going back to the sources. We're going to go back to Augustine. We're gonna go back to Cassiodorus. We're gonna ask ourselves, which of their predicaments most resembles our own? Which can we learn from Augustine's period? What can we learn from Cassiodorus's period? As we confront these questions, we're gonna engage these sources, and we invite you to join us here at New St. Andrews College.